2: PlushCare.com weight loss.
1: Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you have missed any of my Talk Radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy.
0: Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio.
1: Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast with me, Julia hartley Brewer. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Comedian Dave Chaun is also joining me. Right now, though, uh, let's talk to Environment Secretary George Eustace. Good morning to you.
3: Good morning.
1: Good morning. Um, Are you following every single one of the current rules uh, tackling coronavirus?
3: Um, Yes, as far as I'm aware, I'm I'm doing uh, all I can, I'm sure, as are everybody around the country, to um, follow the rules. And, you know, look, I think in these two cases you've highlighted um, with uh, Boris Johnson's father and... um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn as well, they've apologised for that. Look, the, sometimes people forget or make errors. Uh, the important thing is uh, that it's not done deliberately.
1: OK. Uh, we had a press conference with the Prime Minister yesterday. Uh, basically, he announced you know, he's sticking to his plan and talked about how we all have to follow our rules so we don't have to have a second lockdown. But um, it was very clear that despite all the the doom and gloom that was being attempted to be g- given over in the, uh, uh, the, the press conference from Chris Whitty and Sir Patrick Vallance, that actually... The figures really are not that worrying at all. We are not actually in a situation facing um, a second wave of the pandemic currently. We are not seeing exponential growth. Why then is the government continually bringing in new rules to um, uh, curtail our lives and our freedoms and our economy when we are not facing a second wave?
3: Well, we are seeing a significant um, spike in cases, you know, up to we We're testing more people. Uh, Yes, but the proportion of tests that are positive has also significantly risen. How significantly risen? Well, it's gone. The number of um, positive tests has gone from around a thousand a day when things started to pick up uh, just about two weeks ago uh, to seven thousand a day now. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that's starting to feed through to a. Higher mortality rate. So the well, there but are most some, of those the, cases
1: are most of those they are, they're positive test results. Leave aside the false positive rate for now. But but most of those, almost entirely, those are people without any symptoms whatsoever. They weren't even aware that they had coronavirus.
3: So why should we be concerned? Well, because we know that uh, the mortality rate from the coronavirus, uh, you know, can be quite significant. It's around five times higher than the mortality rate for people that get flu. And the difficulty is that if you don't uh check the spread of this disease yes many people will have no symptoms or get over the symptoms but those that they spread it to um, a significant proportion will sadly die so the reason that we are taking these measures is to try to dampen the spread of the virus we can't control it entirely we just have to uh to try to uh, dampen and and, uh, frustrate the spread of it if you like uh, in order to um Save lives and that's what we're trying to, to do. Since the beginning of <laughs> September,
1: three times as many people have died from flu and pneumonia than from coronaviruses. I mean we know we I, I absolutely understand how serious coronavirus is. Absolutely understand we need to take measures to contain. But but we've seen a, a far bigger spike in those deaths since the start of September than we have in COVID, suggesting that the measures we already had in place were actually already working. Why? The question a lot of people are asking is other than the hand washing and the social distancing, and think which is all you know being done in places like Sweden, they've never had a lockdown. Why do we need other measures like a 10 p.m. curfew, like a limit on playing music in a pub and things like that, when there's really no evidence that that will make any difference at all?
3: Well, well, the difference between uh, the coronavirus and um, you know, flu and, and pneumonia is, is the, um, the prevalence rate, really. So there's a high prevalence rate of flu and therefore you're getting uh, you know, a higher uh, mortality. Uh, but proportionately, the number of people that die from flu who contract it, is lower than the number of people will mm-hmm. die will die when they contract the coronavirus so that's why we uh, treat this as differently and why we're trying to uh, prevent the spread of it because it's um it's very much a case of a stitch in time saves nine if we intervene early uh, through the rule of six nationally but then through some of these targeted localized measures where we get local flare-ups well then we can um control the, the, the spread of it and prevent it getting out of control if it gets out of control sadly, then you're you're limited to the number of tools that can solve mm-hmm. that and you end up back in the space of a lockdown.
1: What do you make of the Bank of England's chief economist, Andrew Haldane, who's talked about how there's been too much catastrophising about the pandemic and about the economy and says the collective anxiety is contagious about both and that we are in the economics of chicken licking, people constantly running around saying the sky is falling in. Um, When we talk up this threat of a second uh, wave and talk up the threat of a second lockdown as a result of that, we are also effectively talking up more chances of a recession, aren't we? Should we not be in a situation where the government is sort of, you know, with obviously... the sensible measures that we know work social distancing you know uh, washing your hands uh, evidence I mean I would say on balance that says that wearing a mask does help um, w- w- shouldn't the government be concentrating on that rather than scaring us all back into our homes again and basically causing more problems with our economy and possibly more deaths long term as a result
3: well we're not um we're not really trying to, to scare people what, we're, what we we're actually doing, well what we're attempting to do uh, through this is to act early and in a targeted way in response to local outbreaks and to have uh, a set of simple national rules and the rule of six and wearing a face mask is something I think uh, people can understand. And the uh, objective behind that is to uh, ensure that we can keep pubs and restaurants open, that we can keep the economy moving, that people can still uh, go to work. So it's precisely because uh, we want to safeguard the economy that we're trying to strike this you know, difficult balance of acting early in a targeted way uh, rather than waiting for the disease to get fully out of control. Uh, when, when uh, you know, more drastic action would be the only option left.
1: You talk about targeted uh, measures. We spoke to Andy Burnham, the uh, Greater Manchester Mayor, just a few moments ago. He's talking about how you know they don't, the, he and certainly the Liverpool Mayor, uh, Steve Rodham, not not in favour of the 10pm curfew on pubs and restaurants. Don't believe that is actually working. But crucially, what they would like is more help for local businesses that are hit by these new rules. Um, in terms of targeted measures, is that something the government is looking at? So actual help for those businesses that have effectively been forced to shut down.
3: Well, yes, the, the government, the Treasury have already um, announced that where we have these local sh- uh, lockdowns and where restaurants and pubs are forced to close, uh, there is going to be a grant scheme to help those businesses uh, you know, where there has to be a closure for, um, for three weeks. And so um, there's going to be a grant I understand, of uh, around £1,500 uh, to help some of those businesses through what, what obviously is a difficult time when they have those localised shutdowns.
1: Um, Let me just ask you just finally, I know you have to go a very busy round of media interviews this morning. Uh, Today is the beginning of a new ban. It's due to start in April, but was delayed because of the pandemic, uh, where businesses are banned from supplying plastic straws, stirrers and cotton buds across England. Um, A long awaited ban. Um, How successful do you think that's going to be in uh, stemming the the flow of plastic into uh, landfill and indeed into oceans?
3: Well, I think it's a very important step. Um, so the, it's a ban on plastic in straws and in stirrers and in cotton buds. It builds on the uh, ban or the, the the charging that we've already put in place on single use plastic bags, which has been a great success. And we're also uh, working on plans for a deposit return scheme to reward people for uh, returning um, plastic bottles and um, also further measures to try to curtail the use of plastic in the um, supply chain. So there's a lot of uh, things that we're doing. This is an important next step.
0: Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app Talk
2: Radio.
0: That's Bluenile.com.
2: Across the UK,
0: online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. Talk radio.
1: Uh, Delighted to be joined now by the Mayor of Greater Manchester, also, of course, a former Labour Health Secretary, Andy Burnham. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Well, we saw the press conference with uh, Boris Johnson, Chris Whitty and Sir Patrick Vallance yesterday that uh, the northwest, along with the northeast of England, Yorkshire and Humberside are seeing very high rates of coronavirus, far, far outstripping what's going on in the rest of the country. Um, why do you think the virus is still spreading in your area when you've had so many extra local lockdown measures for such a long time? What is going on?
2: I said it to you, Julia, back at the time that the national lockdown was lifted, I came on your programme and said... This is too early for the north of England. I think it was a decision taken more with London in mind. Our cases were still quite high at that time. And I felt very uneasy about it, as did many other people here. So the national lockdown was lifted with a a higher number of cases here than in other parts of the country. And for that reason, I think we've struggled Uh, to get the numbers down over the the summer. But there's kind of more sort of long-term reasons, isn't there? We have a north-south divide in this country. The economy in the north is different. There's more people in low-paid work. People have struggled to afford to self-isolate. There's poor quality housing in many parts of the north. I mean, the reasons I think are many, if we're honest. We can't just say it's one. It's a combination of of reasons, uh, Julia. But the truth is, it's obviously a really challenging uh, picture for us all. Indeed,
1: and I know you have met with the Liverpool Mayor, Metro Mayor uh, Steve Rotherham and, uh, and you've been sort of pretty basically putting up a joint uh, uh, force against the government. Well, to you know, appeal to the government, I suppose is a more positive way of putting at it, saying that really you you do need some more uh, local measures to be taken into account. For instance, um, having more money for local authorities, more help for local businesses, particularly those affected by uh, this 10pm curfew, and in indeed calling for a review of that 10pm curfew on pubs, restaurants and bars, which we know is absolutely killing the hospitality trade. Um, What do you want the government to do instead of having that 10pm curfew? Do you think that's just not necessary at all? What other measures would you want, if any?
2: No, I don't. I don't think the uh, 10pm curfew is working because it contradicts the local restrictions. So the local restrictions that we have are all about preventing social gatherings in the home. And we've supported the government on that to get, the, to get the numbers down. The trouble with the 10 p.m. curfew, in my view, is that it creates more gatherings in the home. So this is where the government's thinking is muddled, in my view. <clears throat> it's actually helping spread the virus, but it's also hugely damaging hospitality businesses. Um, but you then say, well, what more do we want, Julia? And Steve Rotherham and I did come together yesterday. We've always said we're not against local restrictions and we're always saying to the government we want to work in partnership with you. But it's difficult when restrictions are placed on our businesses without any form of proper local support. So, for instance, in Bolton, the pubs and the restaurants have been closed for about three to four weeks now. And people there who work in those pubs and those restaurants have had no local support, no local furlough scheme and business owners haven't had proper compensation. And I would say, particularly to the Conservative Party, you know, how can you shut businesses without compensating them or supporting the people who work in those places? And it's very worrying, Julia, if today they close or restrict businesses in Merseyside without any financial support, because in my view, if they carry on like that, the North will be leveled down this winter and the core mission of this government, supposedly to level up the country, will be over.
1: Uh, what do you make of the front page of the Daily Mail today? Mr. Boom versus Mr. Doom, picture of Boris Johnson. yesterday being da- very downbeat. And also Andy Haldane, who's the chief economist at the Bank of England, who has said uh, that he it says public concern over the pandemic and economic threats has been exaggerated. Uh, he said we had uh, this responsibility to avoid catastrophizing. And he said we are in a state of sort of chicken-licking uh, style economics uh, where collective anxiety is contagious and everyone's sort of running around saying the sky is falling in when actually it's not. We actually had some... Very 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 positive news in terms of virus numbers nationally uh, from uh, the press conference yesterday. And obviously, you know, without without uh, uh, the 10pm curfew, we would have very positive news economically as well. Do you think the government is now going down the wrong road overall in terms of their handling of the pandemic and the subsequent economic costs?
2: Well, I don't envy the government, Julia. It's a really difficult position that they are in. and. We are trying to help, but it would probably help the government if they would work more with us at a local level. Often we get decisions imposed upon us. If they'd asked me about the 10 p.m. curfew, I would have said to them that it's going to cause real problems for the police as people come out on the streets and go straight into the shops and the supermarkets. And it's probably going to make, particularly younger people, go straight to, to homes and other places to have large... Uh, Gathering, So the problem has been all the way through. They've had an over-centralised approach to all of this. Um, Test and trace is still not working in places like Greater Manchester. Let me give you one statistic. Of the contacts of people testing positive, only half are being reached by the national system. Now, that isn't good enough before the winter. So what I would say is if they'd worked more with us, we could have probably helped them more. And I would still say this to Boris Johnson. Uh, today, who you know I do speak to, please set up some sort of national consultative uh, committee where we can iron out these issues together, because then there'll be more support for them when they come out into the public uh, domain. And you know, as I say, it's not easy. Uh, I've tried to be constructive all the way through this. You have still, been. Have, you really have I, been. <clears throat> well, thank you. Thank you, Julian. I don't want to be Mr. Doom and Gloom. But I'll be honest with you, if I'm looking at a winter in the northwest at the moment, where the economic crisis, I don't believe, is fully broken, then it's going to be really tough. We've got a health crisis, an economic crisis to come. And this is where I would disagree with the Bank of England with that fairly rosy sort of picture. The furlough scheme is ending at the end of October. Industries like aviation, Manchester Airport, a massive employer here just can't come back anytime soon. Other parts of the economy might be able to, but they can't. So what happens? What happens is a huge number of redundancies. And I think when you've got a health crisis and an economic crisis hitting the north of England like that, then I think people will feel uh, very gloomy about the future. And it's really only the government that can step in and stop that from happening. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app Talk Radio.
1: Let's talk to Sir Bob Neill. He's chair of the Justice Select Committee and a Conservative MP and one of the leading rebels against the government when it came uh, to those new emergency measures being brought in again and again by this government without uh, any uh, consulting of Parliament and certainly no debates and no votes. Well, yesterday, the rebels came to an agreement with the government where Matt Hancock, the health secretary, said they would promise a vote on any significant measures that would be brought in that were across the nation. Uh, bef- and uh, there would be a, a debate and a vote by MPs before those measures would be brought in. Let's talk to Sir Bob Neil about that then. Uh, good morning to you. Morning, Julia. Morning. Um, it's a concession from the government to sort of end what has been effectively ruled by decree uh, since, uh, since March. Um, do you feel that you've got enough safeguards there against uh, just the random measures being brought in by the government without any consultation?
0: Well... I think we've got enough, given the circumstances that the Speaker had decided that for procedural reasons, he couldn't accept my friend Sir Graham Brady's uh, amendment. Um, Given those circumstances, I think it was sensible to bank what we have. Um, But I think we've also put the government very much on notice that they've got to act in good faith in this. Well, this we, this, well, this it's is, going to be really genuine, proper votes, you
1: know. Yeah, indeed. I mean, this is especially after Sunday, you know, when we were told we were going to have new measures coming into force and then a whole raft of new measures were brought in, which hadn't even been mentioned in advance by the government and came into law and no one had known anything about them.
0: No, I think the other bit of work that we still need to do, as well as having proper votes on the big national issues, which I think is a principle that we ought to stick to anyway, um, I also want to make sure that we have proper local consultation, Because he has some of those measures brought in and the the local council leaders in those areas didn't know anything about them. Now, I don't want that happening in London. And that means not just talking to Sadiq Khan, the mayor. It also means talking to the London boroughs. Because, you know, the situation in Tower Hamlets is very different from the situation in Bromley.
1: Yeah, indeed. I don't want
0: to have proper consultation at that level too. Well, we
1: spoke to the mayor of, uh, sorry, the leader of Gateshead Council yesterday, and he said they had mm. been talking to the government, but he's in the northeast, obviously, yeah. uh, about bringing in measures. And then, and then the new measures were announced, but without uh, the council leaders being formed in advance. We spoke to Greater Manchester Mayor uh, Andy Burnham just about twenty minutes ago, and uh, he's uh, basically joined forces with the Liverpool Metro Mayor Steve Rotherham yeah. uh, saying again they they want uh, uh, you know, possible you know local conversations. They want a review of the 10pm curfew and others. Um, One of the key issues here is measures being brought in, which are very blunt instruments, Mm. massive effects on local economy, local businesses, and often no particular science or advice behind them. We know certainly the 10pm pub curfew, SAGE was not even asked to provide any input on it.
0: No, And I think those are exactly the sort of measures that we've got to start moving away from, because this is being too much driven uh, by people who are, I'm sure, very eminent in their scientific field, but perhaps don't have that broader view of the other effects. And also, it's been driven by some government departments, which are too tightly focused, a little coterie of people, if you like. I think that's the word that Graham Brady was making in an interview yesterday. The government's got to change the way it operates. It's got to broaden out the number of people it consults, uh, and that includes MPs. And it's got to be more nuanced. I, I popped into my local pub in Chislehurst last night, Julia, and, you know... It was perfectly all right at 10 o'clock. There were not hordes of people about to pitch out onto the streets Mm -hmm. of suburban Chislehurst (laughs) and, and, uh, you know, suddenly spread the virus it's really rather ridiculous. The streets of has that? to say. But this is it. Yeah, I mean, The, 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 the argument has
1: really been, I mean, and, and I know it's something that Andy Burnham has spoken about before as well, that you know, instead of having this curfew on all pubs and restaurants, and yeah. why not just simply, you know, withhold the licences of those landlords yeah. and restaurant owners who are not obeying the rules? Again, this is the whole thing. We're being told by the Prime Minister, uh, someone we were told was a libertarian uh, until he was yeah. elected, that he was, um, that, you know, we should just use our common sense. Constantly we're told, you know, British common sense and all of that. And and yet then we're constantly treated again and again as if we're naughty children being punished. I've likened it many times to that, you know, one kid is messing about in the class, having a wild party yeah. or, or, or whatever, um, not socially distancing. And so the teacher decides to put everyone in detention for a month.
0: Yeah, it's, it is disappointing, particularly for those of us who supported Boris, because we did rather think that he had fairly uh, liberal libertarian uh, uh, instincts and wanted to trust individuals. So I think a good example you, you flag up there, Julia, is um uh, why don't we do the same as we're doing, in, as they do in Paris, with restaurants as opposed to bars? So where you're sitting down in a restaurant eating, uh, then you can carry on beyond ten o'clock. You're not going to be running around the tables mixing with each other. That's different, perhaps, from a bar if you've got lots of people who may be fairly sloshed. And then uh, equally, um, police the thing properly, as you say. Apparently, if we did that Paris arrangement in London, that could be worth about a billion pound to the hospitality industry by March, and they're on their knees already. So it's it's that lack, I think, of, of common sense sometimes, that lack of, of nuance that's a problem. And I think the other thing we got from the government, as well as the votes, is I hope, and this is where we're gonna to have to hold their feet to the fire, a recognition that, that they've got to do things differently. You can't have this tight group in Downing Street in the Cabinet office taking all the decisions um, to the exclusion people actually very often are out there in the real world
1: um do you think that they have lost touch with the real world do you think that, that the government and the people making the decisions have almost become prisoners of their own scaremonger we look we, we needed to be scared into our homes yeah, uh, before yeah. the early stage of the lockdown we were in a pandemic and we needed to save lives and, and you know stop the yeah, NHS sure. being overwhelmed I think you know 99 of people accept that however <laughs> people now understand what the risks are they know what we need to do to keep safe do you think that there's an argument where the government is being it's sort of it's driven the polling in terms of people being terrified and wanting more and yes. more measures and now the polling is driving government policy the other way around.
0: I think there is a risk of a vicious circle there and it's it's a risk that always happens in government right and think going back to previous governments maybe Mrs Thatcher towards the end where you've been there and um, uh, you, you get sort of slightly institutionalized uh, into the way of doing things and parliament and challenge and scrutiny is all a bit of an inconvenience um, and you may be convinced you're doing it for the best reasons but that's that's not enough, I'm afraid. So I do think you're right that, the, that they had good reason to, to ramp up the rhetoric to start with. But it's the, the, the hardest bit is getting the, the cork out the bottle slowly sometimes, isn't it? Um, and so we just need to dial down now, I think, okay. and get away from that rhetoric where we're, we're almost scaring people to, to live a normal life. And we, we can't accept this is a new normal, Julia. We just, we've got to get people back to what is a recognisable form of social and economic life. Otherwise, we'll do more harm, I fear, in the long term than even the pandemic would do.
1: And just finally, after Stanley Johnson has been photographed, the prime minister's father without a mask in a shop. We don't know whether, of course, he's got a health exemption or not. Um, but uh, also uh, Jeremy Corbyn breaking the rule of six, mm. having a dinner party for nine in a photograph on the front page of mm. the Sun. Um, have you do you think have you kept kept every single Covid rule throughout?
0: I've done my best. The trouble is, it's remembering what the rules are. Truth, <laughs> Julia. And that's part, part of the problem, isn't it? I'm not going to be holier than now. I do do my best. But that's the other real issue. If, if it's so complicated that the people can't remember it, ministers can't remember it, what hope has poor Joe and Jane Public got? Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. Talk Radio.
1: Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10.
0: Selling a little or a lot?